Hello and welcome again to the Amazon Women on the Moon segment by segment podcast. My name is Todd from the Forgotten Filmcast. And I'm Rob from The Great Escape Minute. And we are back again to discuss the last commercial uh, of the film. There are four commercials peppered throughout the movie. And this is the final one here where we go into uh, the world of those kind of sleazy type of books that uh, used to always see advertised during daytime TV when the soap operas are. This is First Lady of the Evening. This was directed by Robert K. White. Yes, who directed one of the previous commercials that we talked about. He did the Silly Pate commercial, so he is back again for this one. And uh, yeah, I mean, we've talked, uh, as we've talked about the various commercials, how they kind of fall into, you know, what they're parodying is type, you know, the type of products that were on TV in the seventies and eighties and what type of programming they showed on and what hours of the day. And this is definitely the kind of commercial that you would have seen for, uh, you know, these kind of scandalous type of books. And they would show these commercials during soap operas when all the moms were watching and the kids were at school and things like that. Yeah. There, there's no question about that. I mean, for me, it was just a little strange to see it. It looks in some ways, as if they're doing a, this is a commercial for a movie of the week or something like that, and uh-huh. then at the end you find out that that it's basically for a book, which is you know why would they spend why would a book spend money, you know, creating a commercial with actors for something like that? Well, they so I, th- I think it was a combination of the two. They used to do some pretty like dramatic book commercials during daytime TV. I remember. I don't remember if they would actually do like recreations of scenes like they do in this one but you know i do remember commercials airing that would you know be you know pretty you know pretty big type of commercials for this of course the ones that i always remember first if i think about book commercials that aired during daytime's tv in the 70s and 80s uh it's not actually a work of fiction that i remember or i guess you could call it a work of fiction depending on how you look at things i always remember the commercials for dianetics by l ron hubbard that used to air by l ron hubbard tv you know during the afternoon yeah, they'd have uh, the they'd have that volcano the volcano exactly you know so but we should probably shouldn't talk t- too much about scientology on here otherwise uh you know tom cruise and his minions will come and get us uh, we don't want to we don't want to upset them. Let them try. Let them try. Yeah. We're, we're, we're just talking about the commercial. We're not talking about anything else. Right, right. So, yeah, th- this is, um, so the book is called First Lady of the Evening. From the pen of America's wealthiest author, Irving Sidney. It's by Irving Sidney, which, of course, again, they're, they're putting together a couple of names of authors of these type of books and and making their own thing here. Who do, who do you and, think they're trying to make fun of with that one? So I'm trying to remember... Who we used to hear about? Wasn't there like a Sydney Shelton yes, or something like I, that's that? What I, that's what I was thinking that they were making fun of that one. Yeah, yeah. And they mentioned a couple other book titles that this person has supposedly written. Uh, the man who gave us the bestsellers, Irving Sydney's The Naked Virgin and Irving Sydney's The Power in the Flesh, comes Irving Sydney's sizzling new blockbuster. Irving Sydney's The Naked Virgin and Irving Sydney's The Power <laughs> and the Flesh. Which I guess we're, we're left to imagine what those are, what the storylines for those movies are, uh, uh, or books, books, I should say. Those books. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, surely they would have gotten turned into a movie of the week at some point. Yeah, but I, I, I love how they say from 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 the author from the wealthiest author. <laughs> well, and, you know, I got to admit, it always drives me nuts when you refer to a work, whether it's a book or a movie, as being so and so's, and then the title. You know, Irving Sidney's The Naked Virgin. Uh, like I, Todd Liebenau's The Forgotten Filmcast. Right, right. You know, and you know. I mean, film fans love John Carpenter, but it bugs me to death that actually the official title of many of his movies are John Carpenter's They Live, John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China. And I always thought, eh, you don't need to do that. You know, that's that's silly. I mean, like... um, the Nightmare Before Christmas is technically called Tim, Tim Burton's, Burton's Nightmare Before Nightmare Christmas. Before yeah. Christmas. Um, the one that I there, just there are a number of Stephen King time, ones also, aren't there? Maybe, but of course Stephen King's not the director of the movie. Right. But still, yeah, I think there might be somewhere it's Stephen King's something something. Yeah. Um, but the one I always joke about is the one from a few years ago because it was kind of brought out into the light because of the Academy Awards. Do you remember there was that movie that was called Precious? Yes. And it was nominated for Best Picture and a bunch of other things. And every time they read the title on the Oscar broadcast, they would say the actual full title of the movie, which is Precious, based on the novel Push by Sapphire. Yes. So it's, you know, the title and the title of the book it's based on and the author of the book, uh, which I thought was just silly. So... Whenever I come up with like a ridiculous movie title for something, I always make sure to add based on the novel Push by Sapphire to the end of it. Oh, that that makes sense. That's actually good to do it that way. <laughs> there, there was also another movie that came out around the same time that had a name. It was all about the, the presidents. It was about somebody somebody who was working in the oh, White House. Oh, um, the butler, yeah, yeah. is. Um, but I don't remember what who the, Lee Daniels. Lee the butler Daniels, the butler. There what, you go. There, there you go. Yeah. Which also that was. It, which makes it sound like it's about a about a butler named Lee Daniels. Exactly. Which which, which I found that strange yeah. that they they referred to the movie. That, uh, yes. Thank you. Thank you for for remembering the name of that because Ron Williams played Eisenhower, which is really strange. But yeah, it's called Lee Daniels right. the Butler. <laughs> hey, baby. <laughs> Long time no see, huh? There must be some mistake. Come on, who are you kidding? It's me, Bert. Look, I'm in town with the textile convention, and I thought maybe we could, uh, you know, uh, party. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. You better get out of here or you wake the president. So now this one, of course, the, the premise of this is that, you know, the president has married a former call girl and she's now the first lady. And so random salesmen apparently somehow get past the very lax security at the white house, apparently to knock on the, the president's bedroom window and, uh, and get the attention of the first lady to try and get her to party. Now, did, did you recognize that actor? Did you recognize yeah, uh, well, Terrence McGovern? I, I mean, again, he's someone who, you know, you go, I know this guy, he's been in tons of things. Um, but I don't know his name. Uh, I think a lot of times he's, you know, credited as Terry McGovern as opposed to Terrence McGovern. But um, I know he's been in a lot right. of bit parts and things. But as I was looking over his filmography, I was like, oh, well, his main thing is he does voice work. And I was like really 
pleasantly surprised to learn that he does a famous Disney character voice. Uh, if you are a fan of the Disney yes. afternoons in the 80s, he is the voice of Launchpad McQuack from DuckTales and Darkwing Duck, That's which right. just blew me away. I actually have a have a, a friend uh, who uh, was a writer for many years on Darkwing Duck. So I'm sure he got the chance to work with this individual. Now, for some reason, when I when, when I, I rewatched this, he looked so familiar and I was trying to figure out where I remember him from. And, and then I looked through his, his entire filmography and most shows that he was on that he wasn't doing voice work because like, mm-hmm. he did voice work on the Transformers and, as you mentioned, DuckTales and stuff like that. It was one episode. He was like on one episode of Scarecrow and uh-huh. Mrs. King. He was on, you know, one episode of Hotel, one episode of Silver Spoons, one episode of Spencer, one episode of The Jeffersons, Facts of Life, you know, all these different shows. And, and I can't remember where I'm, I am I, I wasn't able to, to I, I know this sounds like I'm going to be able to say, oh, I finally figured out where, but I couldn't figure it out. He was on the A-Team. He was on Benson, Three's Company, Simon and Simon, One Day at a Time. I mean, there were no, and all these shows he was in one yeah. episode. Happy Days, Mork and Mindy. So I, I, I can't for the life of me figure out. And he also worked with, with Robin Williams a few times because he was in Jack. Mm-hmm. And he was in Mrs. Doubtfire. And he was in Nine Months. Wow. Yeah. So I, I thought that, and he was also he was in Inner Space, which I love. So maybe maybe I remember from, from, from one of those movies. Maybe that's Inter- where. For some reason, it, it, I'm thinking it was something from the 80s. So it was probably, maybe it was Interspace. He was the travel Interspace, agent. Interspace, of course, directed by Joe Dante, who's very involved in this film. Yes. So that might be the connection there. I always kind of associated him with playing like slimy kind of like salesman or lounge lizard type of characters uh, is what I have a picture in my mind of him playing, which, of course, is the kind of player he's playing which, here. Which yeah. fits in, which fits yeah. in here. Because he's exactly. come, he's in town for the textile convention, you know. So, <laughs> but and then of course we have to talk about the first lady. When President Harrison Chandler was married in the White House, it was the social event of the decade. The courageous president and his beautiful new bride, but she possessed a secret that could shatter her dreams and topple a government. Played by Angel Tompkins who, um, again, you know, looking at her, I'm going, well, she looks very familiar to me. I actually, as I was looking over her filmography, um, went, oh, I just saw her in a movie earlier this year. I always try to keep track each year of films that I've watched for the first time that I consider like film discoveries, where I was like, that I really enjoyed watching that film. And one of my first film discoveries of this year was a movie called The Naked Cage, which is an 80s women in prison film and she has a part in that movie if i remember correctly she's like um like a warden or a prison psychologist i don't remember exactly right at this moment she plays someone named um, diane but anyway i mean a, a a fun 80s women in prison movie if you've never seen it before it was a canon films release uh the naked cage uh i had fun with it it's you know it's no it's Hey, this isn't Oscar quality stuff here. It's just a fun, cheesy kind of film. Uh, but anyway, so it was kind of fun to make that connection there. But, uh, you know, of course, you have the narrator that kind of gives the the whole backstory. You know, it was the it was the story of the century when the, the President Harrison Chandler got married in the White House and and all that. 
which made me think, I'm pretty sure there were presidents that were married in the White House or while they were president. And I did looking and um, I don't claim, Not to be too a, many. don't claim to be a history expert here, but I did find uh, that there are some examples. Do you, so, you know, it's would trivial you, pursuit time. Listen? Trivial pursuit Woodrow, time here. Yeah. Okay, Woodrow Wilson got that, married in the White House? That is correct. He was actually remarried because this Remar- was well, his second well, wife. His wife, had a, his wife had a stroke and yes. she died and mm-hmm. uh, and then he got remarried. And then then he had a stroke. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then she basically was, was acting president, which nobody knew about at uh-huh. the time. I'm trying to think of it. Well, there are no modern presidents. No, There's yeah. Definitely, they, they all go you, back. You have, to go, you have to go back into the 1800s before Wilson. I don't think there's anyone... Wilson was probably the most recent, yes, as far I as I know. that's correct, yes. Okay. Um, Buchanan was, was the only bachelor, so he didn't get married. He didn't get married. House. Um, I don't think was... No, Grover Cleveland didn't... Yeah, no, no, yes, yes. Oh, the Grover first Cleveland. time. First time. That's right, okay. The first time, because there's, there's a famous saying that when they left the White House, when they lost to, to Harrison the first time, or the only time that they lost to him, where uh, Cleveland's wife basically said to everyone uh, keep everything as it, as as it is moving back in four years <laughs> yeah and they did it they were okay so it was cleveland that's right so yeah the, uh, i can't remember the, if there are any others so this was his if i read correctly his second presidency where his wife passed away and then he remarried uh while he was president and his wife um was uh, her name was francis so his second wife francis and she is the youngest first lady we ever had. Still to this day is the youngest. She was 21 years old when she married. Well, I thought you were like 15. No, <laughs> she was 21. Uh, he was 49 uh, when when they got married. Um, but then there's one more. Um, are you sure? One second. Are you sure that it was Grover Cleveland? Because uh, I see that Grover Cleveland's wife was name was Frances Folsom. Well, yeah, that's what I said. His second no. wife was Frances. So was he married beforehand? Because yeah. it doesn't have... That's interesting. In Wikipedia, they don't mention anything about his wife. That's very interesting. The wiki pages, yeah, I found are very lacking in information on the wives I found. But I could be wrong, but I did a, did try to do a little quick digging on this and, and found. But yeah, there is one more uh, while you're looking to maybe uh, disprove me here, which would be totally fine. Uh, but oh, well, John- first of all, first of all, she, she was... She, she was the first lady in they got married in 1886 and that was when he came into that's when he became president so i have a feeling that she actually was his only wife so he didn't get remarried maybe he got married for the first time when he was okay in the they were married on okay. June 2nd 1886 right. in the blue You're room right. of the white house I'm yes using that so, because the other one right well wilson uh, it was his second wife that i know so, so he actually, was, I guess, I guess Cleveland was a bachelor when he became president and then got married a few months later. Yes. Okay. Yes. So I was confusing it then because the, the third president that was married while president, it was also a remarriage. Uh, and that was John Tyler. Um, <clears throat> and his wife was also quite young. Uh, she was just a little bit younger than Grover Cleveland. She was 22. And he was in his fifties when they oh, got wow. married. So yeah. Well, I see something very interesting here about Grover Cleveland that it says that he met his future wife when she was an infant, and he was twenty-seven years old. 
and he was so fond of her that he would buy her he bought her a baby carriage and was doting on her as she grew up so when her father died in a carriage accident in 1875 without having written a will the court appointed cleveland administrator of his estate yeah i think <laughs> <laughs> a different time talking about sure. robbing the cradle <laughs> So, so yeah, he was, he was he was he was president for a little while before before she uh, before they got married. So yeah, that that is interesting too. Yeah. So right. Tyler, I don't know anything about. But, but President President Chandler here would have been the fourth to get married in office, and he marries a former call girl. And uh, I'll meet you in the Lincoln Room in five minutes. She was forced to live a lie when her sins came back to haunt her. So yeah, she she uh, reluctantly agrees to meet up with uh, with Bert. That's his name, yeah. right? Bert is in town for the textile <laughs> convention. And then we get a scandalous shot of them uh, of them uh, getting busy, uh, shall we say, with her in sexy black lingerie um, underneath the photo of Abraham Lincoln. What what would Abraham Lincoln? No, because think? she told him to meet him in the Lincoln bedroom in five minutes. Correct. Yes. You know, but there, you also have President Andrew Shepard, who actually that that's after this because Andrew Shepard was only president in the nineties. Andrew Shepard was the president in the American President. Michael Douglas, the Rob oh, Reiner film, okay. you know, written by Aaron Sorkin, which had uh, Michael Douglas and Annette Bening. See, I've always thought that somebody should like write a book that is the history of the American presidency according to the movies. And be like, you know, try to put things in order so that you, you know, you know, like, for example, President Andrew Shepard, uh, you know, was in office for this long. And then he was defeated by President, uh, I forget the name of the president in Dave that Kevin Klein plays. or you William, know, and, William, and, you know, and William Henry. The... Oh, I can't even remember. The... Oh, I, I love Dave. I can't remember the name. And then you have President such and such, who was played by Jack Nicholson. And you can put, you know, the little bio that says, you know, was killed by Martians, you know, because uh, that was from Mars Attacks. Or, yeah, know, but there'd be something like that. You know, yeah, just I think it's a great idea, but there'd be too much overlap because, sorry, it's it's Bill Mitchell. OK, you have President Bill Mitchell. But that's but, that's right. But yeah. In the end, spoiler, in the end, when the real Bill Mitchell dies. So then you have Vice President Nance take over. So how do you, mm-hmm. you know. It, it, it's going to be a problem because there's going to be a lot of overlap. And then, then obviously it's, it's the multiverse. Come on, Rob. It's the multiverse. I have no problem with the multiverse, but, but that would make it even <laughs> more difficult to write a, a history of, of TV and movie presidencies. If Marvel can do it, we can do it. They haven't. Uh, well, they do it on, they, they do it in the comics, but in the movie, in the movies, they haven't yet reached the point where they're able to show us a multiverse. Yet. Yet is the that operative is correct. word. They there. probably will get there at some point. <laughs> I think it's pretty much a step that they will in a few weeks from when we're recording this. <laughs> so. uh, you never know. You think so? Do we have And, and, and I, love, I love how he like walks in. He's, he's like got a, a bottle of booze on him. You know, and he's like, wait, you don't remember me? I'm Bert. <laughs> well, and he's uh, clearly at some point, I mean, because I don't think we see him stick the money in her um, in her nightgown, but then oh, but we kind of we cut away and we see that there's the the money is is stuck in her in her chest region uh, there. Well, he pulls out the wad of 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 cash and and gives it to her. 
Yeah. They, it's, it's, ah, that's right. Okay. Right. After, then she tells him they'll meet you in the Lincoln bedroom. So she does have it already there. That's mm -hmm. right. She was yeah. first lady of the evening. Irving Sydney's first lady of the evening. A magnet paperback in easy to read type with no big words. So I think something was cut there, but anyway. Yeah. So I mean, it's an interesting title, calling it the First Lady of the Evening. You know, and the and and the picture on the the the, the cover of of the book that they show looks like your typical, I guess, trashy romance novels. The of, Harlequin of the eighties and nineties romance series they used to call those. I yeah, remember they did commercials how, for those. And and they they do a good job because they they you know, of, of copying it because they have the, you know, the U.S. price and the Canadian price. It's like US <laughs> $3.95 and Canadian four ninety five. You know, that type of thing. So I think they, they, they do a nice job there. And they say something about how it's in big print with no hard words or something like that. The number one bestseller available in bookstores, terminals everywhere. Bus terminals, <laughs> yep. A magnet paperback in easy-to-read type with no big words. <laughs> <laughs> I always when I when I hear bus terminals thrown out like that, it always makes me think of a line from uh, the Great Muppet Caper when they're uh, Fozzie and Kermit you the Go Muppets, Gonzo. Of course, I gotta I gotta you know reference the Muppets somewhere. But they uh, they are asking. Um, I think Robert Morley is the actor that is a cameo, and they're asking for places to stay. And he pulls out his little guidebook and he says, "Let's see here, places to park your carcasses." Bus terminals, <laughs> ranks, the Happiness Hotel. And Kermit says, Happiness Hotel, that sounds great. And Gonzo says, what's wrong with bus terminals? <laughs> no, when I think of a bus terminal, I think of I think adventures and babysitting. That's the oh, first absolutely. thing that comes to mind for me. Bus terminals are uh, scary places, though. One time, you know, many years ago, back when I first moved to Colorado, I had to go back to Chicago and the best route for me at that time was to take the bus uh greyhound from denver to chicago and wow. uh well let's That's just put it this trip. way the but it's all it was a long trip and the bus terminal in chicago is not someplace i ever wish well, again, to visit you can, again you can see that in the uh, Avengers and babysitting so. <laughs> <laughs> wait yeah, how long absolutely how long was that from, from denver to to chicago by bus must have been like two days it was two it's two it's two days it's 800 some miles and not to mention the fact that it was uh the dead of winter so we had to move slower because of some some snowy stretches so uh and yeah it was not fun i i don't wish that experience did, what on they did they switch drivers along the way yeah you know you stop in like north platte nebraska and pick up a new driver oh, wow. or something like That's that yeah but it wasn't fun i assure you but maybe it would have been more fun if in the bus terminal I had picked up a copy of Irving Sydney's First Lady uh, of the Definitely evening. would have been a, different, a, a very different type of, of experience for you on the trip. Absolutely. All right. Well, is there anything else we need to hit on on this number one bestseller or are we are we done? No, I think I'm done here. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us for the Amazon Women on the Moon segment by segment podcast. My name again is Todd. You can find me on Twitter at Forgotten Films. That's films with a Z. You can find my blog, which is called Forgotten Films over at ForgottenFilmcast.wordpress.com. And you can listen to my podcast, which is oddly enough called the Forgotten Filmcast. Uh, find that wherever you find your favorite podcasts. All right, and I'm Rob from The Great Escape Minute. You can 
send us an email at thegreatminute at gmail.com. Our Facebook group is The Cooler. Our web is thegreatescapeminute.com. And our Twitter account is greatescapemxm. And hopefully within the next few months, we'll, I'll, I'll be putting out my season two, which will be a minute-by-minute minute podcast on planes, trains, and automobiles. So hopefully you'll come and listen to that too. And of course, be sure to follow this podcast on Twitter. You'll find it at A-W-O-T-M-P on the old Twitter. So be sure to click the follow button there. And uh, well, uh, this is this does it for us on Amazon Women on the Moon. So yes, uh, so have fun with the with the rest of the segments. If if you missed any of them, go back and and check them out. And there's a few more still coming out. So have fun. And once again, thank you to Darren for organizing this whole thing. We're, we're very grateful for, for giving us these four slots. We've had a lot of fun. I've had a lot of fun. Todd, I hope you have too. Absolutely. I've had a lot of fun as well. This is a movie that I have always enjoyed. I, I even have. We, you know, we talked on one of our other episodes about garage sales and stuff. I have a poster for this movie that I found uh, back when video stores used to do their own little kind of garage sales and sell their own, their old posters that they used to promote the films I made sure to grab one for Amazon Women on the Moon when I found it because uh, it's got a great poster. So, Yes, it definitely does. No question about that. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again uh, some other time. See ya. Ain't no fucking Thelma here, man.